much. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, hope you do, and uh, either a, a paper edition or a digital copy, but open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, the fifth chapter. I'm going to preach to you this morning uh, for a little bit on the subject of living the Spirit-filled life. Now, we will be getting back into our, our, um, our series from the Gospel of Mark when I get back. But uh, this morning, um, you know, we, of course, December, we preach Christmas themes and we're in the new year now. And I just uh, feel impressed to the Lord to minister a little different direction. And uh, we'll change that when we get back, okay? But in the fifth chapter of Ephesians, I'm, I, I want to read... I want to read a number of verses this morning. And, and I know, you know, on Sunday mornings we usually, are, we usually are pressed for time, but I don't want that to be a factor this morning. I'm only going to focus in on a couple of verses as a text this morning, but I want to start with verse 1. Is it okay if I read 20 verses or 21 verses? Is that okay? I mean, I can't think of anything better to do than read the Bible anyway. But it just to set the, the, the to, for us to get the context of what I'm going to minister on this morning, I think we need to read these verses. And I debated on that, but here we go. Are you there? Ephesians chapter number five and verse number one says this Be ye therefore, I'm reading from the King James. They probably got the new King James up, but that's okay. Um, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, or imitators, is a better word, imitators of God, our Father, as dear children. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking or jesting, which is coarse, uh, coarse jesting. The New King James says, coarse, vulgar jokes, in other words. Don't do that. Which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no, no whoremonger or unclean person our covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For you, look at verse 8, for you were, past tense, sometimes darkness, but now, Present tense, are you light in the Lord? So walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever does make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest, 
and rise from the dead. This is to the church, by the way. And arise from the dead in Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly. That means watchful on all sides, always observant of your surroundings. Walk circumspectly. Keep an eye out while you're living for the Lord. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. How many will agree with the days are evil? Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And look at verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess or debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Living the Spirit-filled life. Father, add your blessing, your anointing to the reading of your word today. Help us to minister as you would have us to to your people. Open our hearts our ears, let us hear, let us receive, that we will be, be, be stronger in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. Every believer, <clears throat> I believe that every child of God, every believer should experience the fullness of the Christian life. Jesus said that He came to give us what? To life, give us life and that more abundantly. And so I believe that as, as children of God, we should experience the fullness of that Christian life, which also includes being filled with God's Holy Spirit. Now, it's wonderful to be saved. I'm glad that I'm saved. Anybody here glad that you're saved today? I'm glad to be saved. But you know, the born-again experience, getting saved, is just the beginning point. There is more that's involved in being a Christian after you get saved, being discipled, following on to know the Lord, getting closer to God, growing in the things of God. So there's more after you get saved that's involved in living for the Lord. And unless you're filled with the Spirit, you will not reach your full potential, the full potential that God has for you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Without the fullness of the Spirit in your life, you're going to find something out. You're going to find that the Christian walk is a very difficult road. I love what Brother B.H. Clendenin used to say. He made this statement one time. He said, he said, living the Christian life is not hard. He said, it's impossible. And that is true. That's why we have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why we have to have, that's why it's not I that live, but it's Christ living in me. Amen. And so without the power of the Holy Spirit, then we're going to find that it's difficult to live for God as we should. But thank God today that the Lord has provided for you and I the power of the Holy Spirit to be to indwell us, to live within us, and to empower us uh, to live a victorious, overcoming life. 
Jesus said in His Word, Jesus said in John 16, 7, He told the disciples, He said, It's to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the Helper, the Comforter will not come. But He said, I'm going to go away and I'll pray the Father and He's going to send you another Helper, another Comforter. And He's going to come and He'll be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, He said, whom the world cannot receive. And so thank God for the Holy Spirit that's been provided for us today to give us the ability to help us to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. How many is glad for the Holy Ghost? Amen. Amen. In this text in Ephesians 5 and 18, very familiar verse of Scripture, in that verse there are two, command, two commands that are given to the believer. The first one is to not be drunk with wine. In other words, don't be. He's saying, and we, 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 we read those 20 verses and Paul is writing here and telling the saints of God at Ephesus how they're supposed to live for the Lord. What's permissible, what's not permissible as a believer, as a child of God. And when he gets here to verse 18, he says, don't be drunk with wine. He says, don't be, in other words, he's saying, don't be under the control or under the influence of alcoholic beverages. But he says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. If you want to be under the influence of something, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so this verse, verse number 18, gives us a don't and it also gives us a do. He says, don't be drunk, but do be filled with the Spirit. You know, we can focus on all the don'ts, and uh, there are some don'ts in the Bible. I know some people say, well, you know, it's all the Bible is, a bunch of do's and don'ts. Well, there's some, there are do's and don'ts in there, but if we'll focus, focus on the do's, the don'ts will take care of themselves. Can I get an amen out there today? And so he says, don't be under the influence of alcohol, but do be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that is exactly what being filled means. When he uses the terminology here to be filled with the Spirit, that's exactly what he's talking about. The Apostle Paul is talking about being under the control and under the influence of the Holy Spirit at all times. He's talking about living a Spirit-filled life. What does it mean to, to live a Spirit-filled life? Some people have the idea that to live a Spirit-filled life that you're just off out here somewhere in la la land and you just you know you just don't really know what's going on and there's that 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 the weirder you are the more spirit filled you are and that's not what the word of god teaches that's not what the bible teaches amen but to to be spirit filled what the true meaning of that is is to be controlled when he says be filled with the spirit be filled with the Spirit. He's meaning there to be under the influence, constantly and continually filled and controlled and led by the Holy Spirit. Now in this text, in Ephesians 5.18, the text speaks of two intoxications. One is a natural intoxication that has bad effects. 
that has awful effects. I'm not here this morning to preach on the, uh, to preach or to teach upon the woes of drinking alcohol. I think everybody here knows how I feel about that. But, but, but I'm here to tell you about the good effects of being under another kind of intoxication. Not being intoxicated with alcoholic beverages, but I want to talk to you about a wonderful intoxication today, and that is being intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. The intoxication that is a wonderful intoxication. An intoxication that of a Spirit-filled life that has no evil effects or no adverse effects, but only blessing. And if you ever wake up, you know, I think that you need to wake up. In my past life, I've woke up before on Sunday morning with a hangover from the wrong intoxication. But how wonderful it is to be able to get up in the morning and have a hangover on Monday morning from an intoxication of the Holy Spirit, knowing that He is filling your life, knowing the Holy Spirit is guiding your life and directing you in everything that you do. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Amen? So the question this morning is not how much of the Holy Spirit do you have, but how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? Let me say that again. The question is not how much of the Holy Spirit do you have, but how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? I mentioned this yesterday in the prayer service that um, I just gave them a little tidbit of what I was going to be talking about this morning. And I mentioned, you know, there's not a gauge on Christians like a fuel gauge like we have in our car. And you can turn your car on and you can look at the fuel gauge and you can see where your, your, you know, how much fuel is in your tank. Are you full? Are you a quarter? Are you half? Are you on empty? Where are you? Amen. My wife's car there for a while, I told her the first light that's going to burn out on yours is the low fuel light. Every time I'd get in there and go try to go somewhere, I'd started up and the low fuel light come on. I'd have to go get gas. Well, there's not a gauge on you that I can look at and say, oh man, I see that Brother Joe is about three quarters full of the Holy Spirit. I can see there that that that, that Sister Marcia, she's about half. Sister Patty, you know, maybe she's, a, she's at the full mark. There's not a gauge. Listen, are, are you following me? There's not a gauge that you can look at Amen. Not a gauge on my watch that I can, that I can, there's not an app for this. Are you listening to me? There's not an app for this. I'm going to go to the app and uh, you know the, the, you, if you sleep with your Apple watch on, it can tell you how good you slept, how much you slept and all that. There's not a gauge that you can look at to determine how full of the Holy Spirit you are. The gauge on whether or not you're full of the Holy Spirit is how much of the Holy Spirit, how much of you the Holy Spirit has? How much of your life is the Holy Spirit controlling? I guess is the way that I want to put that. And we need to make sure today, here in this, what is this, the second Sunday of 
2020, we want to make sure, I want to make sure, I want you to be sure that, that in this coming year that you are full, filled, controlled, overflowing with the precious Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit has complete and, and total control of every area of your life. Amen? Because that's what God's will is for you. Somebody say, what's the will of God for me for 2020? The will of God for you for this coming year is that you be filled with the Holy Spirit, be yielded to the Holy Spirit, and let the Holy Spirit lead and guide and direct you every single moment of every single day of your life. Can I get an amen, somebody? Praise God. Now, why would the Lord tell us this? What is the significance of us living a spirit-filled life? The first thing, though, I mean, before I really even get into this, is that you can't live for Jesus. You can't live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit living it in you and through you. Amen? So we got to get that settled to begin with. You know, I've heard people over the years say and use this for an excuse of not being saved or not living for the Lord. And they would say, well, you know, I can't live the Christian life. Brother Rick, I've tried that and I've failed. I've tried to live for God and I couldn't. There's too many rules and regulations. There's just too much that I have to give up or have to do. And there's a lot of, there's, a, there's the reason why a lot of people do not get saved because they think, well, there's a lot of stuff I want to do and I can't give up. I can't live it. But no, as I said, no, you can't live it. It's not you that live, but it's Christ living in you. It's the Spirit of God living in you. So you need the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be overflowing with the Holy Spirit so that you can live the Christian life the way that God wants you to. But there are some reasons, other reasons, of course, that we need to be filled with the Spirit. And number one is this, is that obedience to God commands that we be filled with the Spirit. Obedience to God commands that we be filled with the Spirit. Did you get that? Now, this verse 18 is not a suggestion. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse 18 is not a suggestion. It's not something that is optional, but it's a command from God. That in the Greek, it's in the imperative tense. It is, it is an imperative. It's a command of the Lord. And so for the Christian to not be filled with the Spirit it would be to be in disobedience to God and to His Word. Are you with me? For you to, to say, well, I don't want to be filled with the Spirit. I don't want to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Well, that would be disobedience to God and it would be, uh, it would be wrong. It would be a sin. Can I get an amen there? The Bible says for us to know to do good and to do it not is sin. But not only is this a command, it is also a present tense. It's in the present tense in the Greek. And it tells us that we are to be filled now. And not only to be filled now, but to remain filled, to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. It's something that's to be done continually. Something that's to be done all the time. To be continually 
continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's not just something that we come up here on Sunday morning, some Sunday morning and say, well, I just want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we get filled and that's the last time we ever think about it. The filling of the Holy Spirit, the control of the Holy Spirit in your life is to be on a continual basis. It's a continual filling in our life. Continually filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Not only is it an imperative, not only is it in the present tense, the continuous sense, but it's also plural. That means that the command that he gave there to be filled with the Spirit is not just only for the past. It's not just for uh, a certain person or individual, but it's for everybody. Every born-again child of God needs to be and must be filled with the Spirit. The infilling of the Spirit is for the pastor, and it's also for the worship leader. And the singers need to be Spirit-filled. And the musicians need to be Spirit-filled. And the evangelist needs to be Spirit-filled. And the Sunday school teachers need to be Spirit-filled. Come on, somebody. Are you with me? Hallelujah, I put some of them to sleep. I hope everybody else can stay awake. Peter said in Acts 2.39 that the promise is to you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So everyone, everyone who is a child of God and who knows Jesus Christ ought to be filled with the Spirit. That means every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, every preacher, every teacher, every singer, every lay person, that includes you. That's all of us. We all need, all God's children need to be filled with the Spirit and full of the Spirit. Praise God. Everybody, everybody. Now, you know, as Pentecostals, and uh, you know, most of the, the Baptists as well are this way, but we like to camp out on that first part of verse 18, you know, that says, do not be drunk with wine. And as I said, that is true. That is a command. We must not be drunk with wine. It's wrong. It's sinful. The Bible says that it is. But do you know what? In light of of this verse and how Paul phrases this and tells, gives the command not to be drunk, but then gives the command to be filled with the Spirit, um, then it is just as much, in light of what Paul says, it's just as much of a sin to not be filled with the Spirit. Now, now hear me, hear me. It would be just as much of a sin to not be filled with the Spirit as it would be to be drunk with wine. If it's wrong, in which it is, to be drunk with wine, then it would be wrong to disobey the other command and not be filled with the Spirit and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is why, this is what Paul was saying here. You have to be filled with the Spirit in order to live the kind of a Christian life that you are supposed to live. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us and gives us the the ability to do that. So we don't want to commit the sin of omission by not being filled with the Spirit. And see, here's the thing. Listen, as a pastor... 
I have, uh, I have had in my, in my pastoral ministry, I've had a lot more difficulty with people who were not filled with the Spirit than I have with those who were drunk. I've dealt with a lot more people in my ministry that were not spirit-filled, but that were living according to the flesh, that were in the church, that were Christians, but were not living the spirit-filled life, and were living according to the flesh. I've had a lot more problems with them in the church than I have with people that have been drunk uh, with alcoholic beverages, because carnality is the greatest problem in the church Today. Now listen, hear me. The greatest problem among the saints, among believers and within the church are people that are not filled with or controlled by the Holy Spirit, but they're allowing their own will and their own desires and their own fleshly lusts and desires to control them. When a church and when believers within a church are operating in carnality, that's where problems come in the church. Men and women that are not spirit-filled, that's where your gossip comes from. That's where your, your, your tail-bearing comes from. That's where strife, I know I ain't getting too many, amen. That's where strife and division comes from in the body of Christ is Christians that are not yielded to, filled with, and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Anytime, anytime that we see those things rise up in the church, that's because somebody is not filled with the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is not the author of confusion. The Holy Spirit does not gossip. The Holy Spirit will not lead you to talk bad about somebody or to run down your neighbor or your pastor or anybody else in the church. Come on, somebody. So I've had a whole lot more problems with unspiritual Christians than I have with those who are drunk with wine. Come on, listen to the preacher this morning. Glory to God. Praise God. Just suppose, I'll have to finish this tonight, I ain't gonna get done. Just suppose that our worship team would come, you know, on Sunday morning. Sister Katie, Sister Heidi, and Brother Terry, and Buddy, and Leona, and Giles, and Sean. Just suppose that they would show up on Sunday morning and before they got here, they all stopped off somewhere and had them something to drink, alcohol. You suppose they came in. What if Sister Katie would come in <laughs> on Sunday morning bleary-eyed and staggering around? Yeah, her dad saying, you know, that ain't going to happen, Amen. 
But I'm saying hypothetical situation. Just suppose that she would come in and get up on the platform and grab the microphone and be a little tipsy or it was apparent that she was under the influence of alcohol. Just suppose that Brother Buddy came in to play his guitar. And I don't think Brother Buddy's ever had a taste of alcohol in his life. But just suppose he came in and you could smell, uh, you could smell alcohol on his breath and he got up there and he got kind of off course began to play a little rock and roll or a little blues as he was under the influence of some alcohol. If that were the case, they, listen to me now, listen, it would be wrong for them to do that and it would be wrong for them to be on the platform. You know, I'm just a little bit old fashioned. I'm just a little bit old school because I, I don't even believe that somebody needs to be playing in a bar or a honky-tonk on Saturday night and then be on a worship team on Sunday morning. Just read that about, I read to you about that in Ephesians in this fifth chapter, but, but it would be wrong for them to be in that situation. And it would be my job and duty as the pastor to say, no, you guys cannot be on the platform leading this church service in worship because you are, it's evident you are under the influence of alcohol. But can I tell you, do you agree with me? That would be wrong. But can I tell you that according to this book and that verse it would be just as wrong would it not for them to get up there and to try to lead worship if they were not under the influence of the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit don't be drunk but do be filled with the Holy Spirit Woo! hallelujah I believe the worship team, every member of that worship team, hallelujah, are to be filled with the Holy Ghost, amen, full of the Spirit of the Lord and under the control of the Holy Spirit. You guys would surely boot me out if I came in here to preach to you on Sunday morning and had just just left spokes after having a few drinks before I came. That would be sin. That would be wrong. But for me to get up here and try to preach, if I'm not controlled or anointed or led or filled by the Holy Spirit, that would be just as wrong. That's what the command is saying. Be not drunk with wine, but be filled, be controlled, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, I'm not putting a premium on drunkenness. I'm not putting a premium on drinking, but I am saying that we should be spirit filled for the very same reason that we don't get drunk and that is because it is a command of the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. It's our obligation as commanded of the Lord. God wants us to live the Spirit-filled life. And not only do we owe God our obedience, and our obedience commands that we be filled, not only do we owe God our obedience in this matter of Spirit-filling, but we also have an obligation to Him to be filled with the Spirit. You and I, as believers, must strive to be everything that we can be in our walk with the Lord and in our walk for Him. 
So to be filled with the Spirit, we owe an obligation. Our obligation to God and living for Him requires us to be filled with the Spirit, number one, in our worship life. Paul mentioned it. We won't take time to read the verses, but Paul mentioned in the 19th and 20th verses, after he said to be filled with the Spirit, he talked about singing songs and making melody in your heart and singing psalms one to another. He talked about giving thanks and everything, thanks and everything. So he's talking about our worship life, about worshiping the Lord. So being filled, listen to me, are you hearing me? Being filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit controlling you affects your worship life. Now there's nothing any greater uh, uh, nothing greater or more enjoyable as far as I can say. Uh, there's nothing like true spirit-filled Pentecostal worship. Amen? I love the worship. I love to worship the Lord. And being filled with the Spirit affects our worship. The Bible tells us, Jesus said that, that true worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And so true worship that's controlled by the Holy Spirit will always give glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. So our worship has to be Spirit-filled. When we come to the house of God, we need to come filled up with His joy. We need to come with a praise on our hearts. We need to enter His gates with thanksgiving and enter His courts with praise. Amen. And let, let the praises of God flow in our life. We need to be singing and praising and making melody to the Lord. True worship that is controlled, Spirit-filled worship, controlled by the Holy Spirit, will always be decent and in order. True spirit-filled worship will never be a circus. It will never be something that will draw attention away from Jesus to our flesh or to ourselves. True worship in the Spirit will always magnify Jesus and always glorify Jesus. It will never be tasteless. It will never be out of order. And it will never be a display of the flesh that draws attention to us. But it will always bring attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every song that is sung, everything that is said in our worship needs to be focused on Christ and lift up the Lord and edify the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Oh, I want the worship here at Abundant Life Family Church to be spirit-filled, spirit-led, spirit-anointed, amen? Worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Our songs we sing, the music we play. When we lift our hands and glorify the Lord, may it be in the Spirit and by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will always, Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit, that when the Spirit of truth has come, Jesus said, He will glorify me. He will not speak of Himself, but He will take of mine and show it to you, and He will speak of me. So Spirit-inspired worship always looks to Jesus and, and, and points to the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? 
But Paul went on to say, not only will spirit-filled worship affect our, 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 our spirit-filled life affect our worship life, but spirit, a spirit-filled life... Now here's where we get down to where the rubber meets the road. A spirit-filled life for the believer will also affect your wedded life. Your married life. Your, boy, it's getting quiet now. I'm going to have to get down here. I, your home life will be affected by the Holy Spirit when you live the Spirit-filled life. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Help me, Jesus. We don't just live the Spirit-filled life on Sunday morning from 10.30 to 12.30 in a church service. Amen? We all know how that is, you know. We've all been down that road. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, husband, you've been married very long at all. And, and, and I know we have, as, you know, in pastor and churches, if there's any time at all the enemy will try to stir up something in the, in the home between a husband and a wife, it'll be while you're getting ready for church on Sunday morning. And you know, you, he'll want to start that, especially, you know, y'all know when we, uh, when our kids were little and trying to deal with kids, we had, you know, four kids to get ready and get to church plus ourselves and all that and dealing with that. And if there's anything the devil would like to do, knowing that I had to get in the pulpit and I had to preach that morning, was start some kind of ruckus on Sunday morning to get us unset, uh, upset and to arguing with one another in the car on the way to church. And you know how it is. You can have an argument on the way to church and everybody's just, you know, the husband's mad, the wife's mad. They're not speaking to one another. Man, everybody's just, you know, just, just going through that and you pull in the parking lot of the church. You get out and slam the, church, the car door and you walk up and you open up the church door and it's just like, God bless y'all today. How's everybody doing? Good to see you, Brother Jim. We're gonna have a good time today in the Holy Ghost. I think everybody's laughing because they all we all been down that road at one time or another. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Well, the thing to do when you do that, get in the altar, pray through, forgive one another, get forgiven, praise God, and get the thing settled. Amen. Don't stay mad at one another. But Paul went on to talk about the wedded life in that fifth chapter of Ephesians and how the husband is to love the wife and the wife is to submit to the husband. And he talked about all that and the harmony that's to be there in the home. But that's where the spirit-filled life comes in because it's just not living a spirit-filled life in church, but it's living it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Come on, amen. Listen to me, saints. God wants there to be love and peace and unity and harmony in your home. Hallelujah. He wants the Spirit of God to rule and reign in your home, in your marriage, in your wedded life. Hallelujah. Jesus wants to be in control of all that we do in our home and in our marriage relationship. And can I tell you something today that we've never been in a day such as this where the traditional family, where marriage and the traditional family is 
is under such attack by the powers of darkness. Amen. Even in our culture today, there's not much credence given to marriage anymore. Uh, but, but, but let me tell you, and, and that, ma- that marriage relationship is un- under such attack. And let me tell you what the traditional Bible marriage is. And this is what we believe. This is what we stand for. This will not change. There is no compromise. But it is one man and it is one woman for one life. Lifetime. Hallelujah. It is not Adam and Steve. That's not my message. But there is an attack upon traditional family values and the home. Am I preaching okay? That's why you got to be filled with the Spirit. The divorce rate, the divorce rate, I'm just going to get down with you. Do I need my clock? The divorce rate, even among evangelical Christians, is on the rise today. The divorce rate is staggering. The divorce rate among the clergy, among pastors in the day and hour which we live. It seems like that that those in the ministry don't feel like that. Oh, they got the idea that, well, if they get tired of their wife, they'll just get rid of her and just get get another one, get somebody different. That's going on all the time. But can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that that's wrong. It's wrong. I know, I know I get in trouble for saying things like this, but it's the Bible. It's the Word of God. Satan's out to destroy the home. There must be that, that spirit-filled life lived by the husband. A spirit-filled life lived by the wife. The spirit-filled life needs to be lived by the children. That the children obey mom and dad. And that husbands loves, loves that wife. And that wife submitted to that, to that husband. Listen to me. God's desire for that home is for it to be happy. For it to be joyful. It to be filled with love and peace and contentment and blessing. God's will is never for that home to be filled with strife and bickering and fighting and arguing and fussing and contention all the time. That's not the plan of God for the, for the Christian home. But we must be filled with the Spirit in our wedded life as much as in our daily, everyday walk and in our worship life. Amen? So you don't act one way in church and act some way else when you get at home. God created Adam, and the Bible says from the dust of the ground, and the Bible says that it was not, God said it was not good for Adam to be alone. So he gave him some anesthetic, (laughs) and he put him out into a deep sleep, and the first surgery ever performed was performed by God in the Garden of Eden. And God opened up the side of that man and took one of his ribs out, closed that back up, and from that rib, he made a woman. Amen. He made Eve. 
And God had said to Adam, it's not good for man that he be alone. But he needs a helper. I'm going to make him a helpmeet or a helper. Now, you know, sometimes I, I've, got to, I've, got to, I've got to get done here and close. But, but sometimes men get, that, get that, that, that chauvinistic attitude going that I'm the head of my home. And you will bow down to me. And you will do what I, wifey, tell you to do. Anybody ever known anybody that was like that? Well, that's not what true submission is. I'm telling you that. Number one, you are to be submitted to Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that the wife submits to the husband as unto the Lord. But your first submission is to Jesus Christ. Come on. He said, Adam, I'm going to make you a helper. Doesn't mean a slave. Doesn't mean a servant. A helper that will help you. That will be a helpmeet for you. And that word helper, the idea that's expressed in that word helper is an indispensable companion. See, that's what God made for man. A woman that was to be his companion. An indispensable companion. A helper. That's not referring to an inferior position because in Jesus Christ, the woman is not inferior to the male. Come on, somebody. We're equals together. My wife is not inferior to me. She is my equal. God's given her to me as my indispensable companion. She helps me. I'm going to tell you something right now. I do not know what I would do without my helper, without my wife that he's given me. Hallelujah. I want our home to be a spirit-filled home. I want our, our, our marriage, our wedded life to be a spirit-filled wedding life, a spirit-filled marriage. I tell young people when I counsel with them in premarital counseling, the only way you're going to stay together, the only way that you're going to have a happy home, the only way that things are going to work out is you're going to have to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the head of that home and of that household. It's the only way. Uh, my wife and I got married when we were very young and everybody said, everybody was in agreement with us. Well, not with us, but they were in agreement that we wouldn't make it. That was what everybody said. They'll never make it. Too young, they'll never make it. Well, 47 years later. Come on, somebody. Woo! 47 years later. A lot of water under the bridge, a lot of troubles, a lot of trials, a lot of problems. Her putting up with a lot. Come on, you need to pray for her. But she's my indispensable companion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A survey in a, in a men's magazine asked men what was the most important thing in their life. And, and it was amazing that 63% said that the most important thing in their life wasn't hunting and it wasn't fishing and it wasn't boating and it wasn't stock cars. But 63% said that the most important thing in their life was their companion, their wife, their spouse. And, of, and, of, and 90% said, 90% said that their wife was their very best friend. And I can say that today. I've got 
got a friend in Jesus, but my best friend on this earth is my wife that God gave me. Hallelujah, 47 years ago. I want our marriage to continue to be a spirit-filled marriage, a spirit-filled home, and you need that same thing in your life today. Amen. C.H. Spurgeon told a guy during a wedding one time, he said, my friend, don't begin to feel proud because Paul has said that the husband's the head of the wife. For Solomon said that a virtuous woman is a crown to her husband and the crown is wore on top of the head. I... I use a quote in all of my wedding ceremonies from Matthew Henry, the great commentator. Matthew Henry said this. He said, Eve was was made by God, but God did not make Eve from Adam's head to rule over him. He did not make Eve out of Adam's feet to be trampled on by him. But he made Eve out of man's side to be equal with him. He made her out from under his arm to be protected by him and near his heart to be loved by him. That is how a Christian home and husband and wife is supposed to be. That is a spirit-filled relationship and a spirit-filled marriage. Amen? When a wife is cherished by her husband, then there won't be a problem of submission to his leadership. It will be much more easier because he, she knows how much he loves her and cares for her and cherishes her. But when the husband is harsh and when the husband is hateful with his wife, he creates an atmosphere and he creates emotional barriers that are hard to break. And I'm talking to Christian husbands here today. I know we have our spats. I know we have our disagreements with our wives. You're not married for any length of time without having them occasionally. But the Bible says in Colossians 3.19, Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Always make up. Amen. Waking up can be a good time. Good thing. Well, it got quiet all of a sudden. Spirit-filled life. Yes. I got to close. Those harsh words, those hard words, can cause a lot of emotional barriers and problems in a marriage. An elderly man was lying in the hospital. His wife of 55 years sitting there at his bedside. And the man said, Is that you, Ethel, at my side again? She whispered and said, Yes, dear. It's me. I'm here. He softly said to his wife, he said, Remember years ago when I was in the veterans hospital and you were with me then? 
You were there by my side. Yeah, dear, I, I remember I was with you when you were in the hospital before. Ethel, do you remember when, when we had that fire and we lost everything that we owned? And you were there for me and you were by my side then. You were with me. Yes, honey, I remember when we lost everything. I was there. I was with you. He said, do you remember when I lost my job? We didn't have any money coming in. And we were so poor and we were so broke. And you were there with me then too, weren't you? And she said, yes, dear, I was with you then when we were poor and when we were broke. The man kindly sighed and he said, I'll tell you, Ethel, I just think you're bad luck. (laughs) That's not the right thing to say. Are you listening to me? See, neither the husband nor the wife can fulfill their duties to the other until they are living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, the home is out of balance. Be filled with the Spirit in your wedded life. In your work life, on the job, you need to be filled with the Spirit. You're to work for that boss as you are working for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what the Word of God says. Amen. Worship team, make your way back. Listen. How many of y'all today would say, Brother Rick, I didn't know where, you know, I didn't know where to get done, but I'm going to move on. Pastor Rick, I want to live the Spirit-filled life. I want this year to be my best life for Jesus Christ. I want to live. I want to obey this command of Scripture and be filled with the Spirit. How many would say that today? There may be some here you've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you haven't, you need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But you And you need to give the Holy Spirit full control, complete control of your life. The requirements for living this Spirit-filled life, number one is complete commitment to the Lord. You've got to open all the doors to your life. Give Jesus the key to your heart. Give Him the key to your home, your marriage, your finances, your everything. Yield and surrender everything to Him. And then invite Him to come in and have full control of your life. You have got to be willing to relinquish control of your life and give it to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit and let Him have control. When the Holy Spirit controls your life, He will change your behavior. He will change your attitudes. He will change you into the man, the woman that you need to be. You'll live the way He wants you to live. You've got to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. But thirdly, thirdly, the requirement for being filled is a continuous claiming of the Holy Spirit by faith. The promise is given to you that He will fill you with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to remain filled continuously with the Holy Spirit. But it's not an automatic thing. Every day you need to place your faith in the finished work of Christ and claim the fullness of the Holy Spirit for your life for that day.
You've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and to admit to the Lord every day. All right, here's a brand new day, Lord. I can't do it in my own ability or strength. I've got to have the help of the Holy Spirit. You must live in me and claim the fullness of the Spirit for your life for that very day. And stay filled, stay filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask everyone that will to come around this front, around this altar area on this this beginning, second Sunday of 2020, second Sunday of this new year. And I want each one of us to make that commitment to the Lord today, a complete commitment to Him, a complete commitment for Him to have continual control of our lives, to give ourselves totally to the Holy Spirit. Make that conscious claiming today. If there's something anything in your heart or life that you need to talk to Jesus about, ask Him to forgive you today. Give Him control of your life. Let Him have your heart today.